الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على خاتم الأنبياء أشرف المرسلين وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد فقال سبحانه وتعالى بعد عود بالله من الشيطان الرجيم من الله الرحمن الرحيم ما أرسلناك إلا رحمة للعالمين أرسل الله سبحانه وتعالى نبينا محمد عليه الصلاة والسلام رحمة للعالمين جميعا فقال سبحانه وتعالى للنبي عليه الصلاة والسلام يعني قل يا أيها الناس إني رسول الله إليكم جميعا الله سبحانه وتعالى tells us in the Quran that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has not been sent except as a mercy for all of alameen. Everything out there, all of the worlds, all of the makhluq, malaika, jinn, insan. And this is an important aspect of our religion that the, the prophethood of Rasulullah Muhammad is not bound to time, place, race, people. No. From the time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose to reveal the message to Rasulullah till the day of judgment. Arab, Ajam, white, black, Asian, African, European, wherever you may be, this is the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu the ummah is of two types then. The ummah of da'wah. Yani those that you have to call towards it. And the ummah of ijabah, the one that accepts. Right? Meaning we are the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa We are Muslim. Aslama. We submit to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We accept willingly. Then there is the ummah that did not accept like the kuffar and mushrikeen and those but they have to accept this is a obligation upon all of mankind and I'm emphasizing because we'll talk about the da'wah and the hardships and the techniques of the kuffar as we continue with the life of the Prophet but in our ummah today some people they have left the yani tayyib Every language has its own unique characteristics, right? In uh, Arabic, there are some very beautiful ways of expressing. There is lisan maqal wa lisan al-hal. What is that? There is the tongue or the statement of what you say. And then there is the tongue or the statement from your actions, from what you do, from your conditions, right? What you see. Many of our ummah today, they will say yes. Everybody should follow the Prophet ﷺ. This is the last Prophet. We believe in that. But the lisan of al-hal of what they're doing and their condition says something else. Because instead of focusing on telling people, look, you're going to die on kufr. Your religion is false. What you believe is wrong. And, and, and instead of calling them towards tawheed, they're only worried about, well, in our culture, it's this. And their culture, it's Christmas. Just different cultures. No. No, no, no. It's not an issue of cultures. It's not about hot dogs versus biryani or kabali versus uh, uh, chicken sukkar or something like that. No. This is an issue of aqidah. And everybody, everybody, throughout 
the world, all of mankind, no matter where you are, it is a responsibility that Allah has put upon you to accept the Tawheed, the belief in Tawheed, and the Risala of Rasulullah and the Prophet of the Prophet And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not arsala Nabi alayhi salatu salam lil muslimin. He doesn't say Rasulullah was sent only to the Muslims, but to alameen. Mean everybody in the alam. Everybody out there has to follow the prophethood of Muhammad from his time time onwards. If we were there in the time of Nabiina wa Sayyidina Musa alayhi salatu salam, if we were time Musa alayhi salam, we would be the first to follow Musa alayhi salam. Now when I say that, I don't mean the first, meaning that nobody's ever followed him, right? <laughs> meaning that we would be forefront of those that accept his message. If we were in the time of Sayyidina wal Habibuna wa Nabiina Isa ibn Maryam, he is also a Nabi, we believe in him, right? We would be the first to follow Isa ibn Maryam. But we are today in the time of Rasulullah, Nabiina wa Habibuna wa Qudwatuna Muhammad alayhi salatu salam, so everybody has to follow that Prophet. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Prophet to say in the Quran, Ya Yuhannas, O people, inni I was sent Rasulullah as a messenger of Allah ilaykum towards you, Jami'a, all of you. All of you. Where does this ayah, what does it, I mean this is actually the beginning, middle of the ayah, but what, what does the beginning part of this order to say begin with? Ya Yuhannas. Not Yayuladina Amanu, not all you who believe, all mankind. That means all of mankind. Christian, Jewish, atheist, Hindu, Muslim, everybody has to follow by the order of Allah the message of Rasulullah Muhammad Inshallah, next time there is an interfaith gathering, take this clip, play it for us. Now, we have another fitna, and, and I know people don't want me to talk about this, but it's alright. I'm going to do what I do anyway. The fitna now, many people, and this is growing, it's not like it's stagnant, it's growing. You know, you see these people out there saying that there is no exclusive truth. Nobody has, what do they say, exclusivity with the truth. Right? Some people out there now, and there's many paths. But what did Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam say in the hadith that is reported by Imam Muslim in his Sahih, hadith number 143, reported by Buhar radiallahu anhu from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. sallallahu alayhi wasallam, In one of the rawat, alladhi nafsi Muhammad biyadihi. I swear by the one in whose hands is my soul. But he swears by Allah. Rasulullah is swearing by Allah. La yasma'a. Nobody that hears bihi about me. Ahadun min hadihi al-ummah. From this ummah. Yahudiyya. Even if you're Yahudi, wala Nasraniya. Or a Nasrani, or a Christian. Thumma la yumin. And then does not believe in the message that I've brought. It's not my religion to make up. It's not your religion to make up. 
This is the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordains something, it is. What is our responsibility? Aslam. We submit. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is telling us, he's taking a qasam, an oath on Allah, that if there is a Yahudi or a Nasrani, a Christian, who hears about me and does not accept this message, no doubt they will enter the hellfire. And that is the importance of that. That is why this has to be a priority. That is why we sacrifice our time, our wealth, ourselves, go through hardships, be slandered and attacked and all of that. Why? Because we want good for all of mankind. We have a mercy towards all of mankind. We want to save people from entering that fire and we want to take them to Al-Jannah, to the paradise, to the everlasting bliss. Imagine the importance of that. Okay? If we just go and tell them, yes, you're good and we're good and oh, we're good relations and smile and, and lock arms with lesbian priestesses or whatever, you may think you are showing a good example, but in reality you're harming them. Imagine there is a fire. You're in a neighborhood and as a good Muslim neighbor, you're worried about your neighbors, whether Muslim or not. We Muslims are inshallah to be the best of neighbors. And a fire is coming and your neighbors is sleeping in their yard. And you see the fire moving fast towards the house. And you see your neighbor and you're like, let me just put a little shade on him and then go, keep, go run save myself. I'm being nice. I just put a nice little umbrella so he doesn't get disturbed by the sun. And the fire comes and burns him up in his house. Were you a good neighbor? No, a good neighbor would wake him up. Yo, what are you doing? Man, there's a fire coming. You better get out of here or get some water or do something. Call, you know, you, you can't just let him sleep. Like, no, no, he's sleeping. Be nice. Well, what's more important? Waking him from sleep or saving him from getting burnt? That's just the fire of dunya. What about the fire of the akhirah? What kind of neighbors are we? What kind of classmates are we? What kind of co-workers are we? If we don't take the opportunity to try to save people from the hellfire. And this was a muqaddimah because why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He ordered the Prophet sallallahu now to call towards Tawheed. And as in the last dust we mentioned, this is now the open da'wah. The secret da'wah had its strange. Now it's an open da'wah. Here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders the Prophet sallallahu There is so much balagha in this ayah. And just in this part, even translating is very difficult. Right? This is in Surah Al-A'raf in the 158th ayah. First da'ah, this has a meaning if you take it to the root word of something that cracks. Right? And that's why even though it's translated as proclaim. Right? Proclaim what has been, what you've been ordered, what you've been given, what you're supposed to call towards. Like, like those are translations. But this ayah has a very deep meaning. Right? 
It's not Balligh, Balagha. Fasda'a. As one of the great scholars, uh, Shaykh Abdul Salam Rustami, in his tafsir, he explained, he said that here it is a da'wah that is straight. Like, you know, something that you don't shy away from. Something that you crack the faces with. And you up in your face. Right? This is not a timid da'wah. This is not a hee-hee-hee. Right? This is straight up. فَأَعْرَضْ عَنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ what, what, what is after that? To turn away and in that meaning to refute. Okay? From the mushrikeen, turn away from them. Don't worry about them. Be straight up in the tafsir of this. Right? Which is that the first part is to call towards Tawheed. That's what Rasulullah is ordered to call towards Allah. The second part, to not worry about what they make up against you, keep it as, uh, yani refute all of that. Don't worry about what they say about you. Right? Because every time your da'wah is on the hub, enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will talk about you. Right? We have people that call the best of people from the Anbiya, Musa alayhi salam, they made accusations against him. Maryam alayhi salam, they made accusations against her. Isa alayhi salam, they made accusations against him. Muhammad alayhi salatu salam, they made accusations against him. Who are we? Why should we be worried? You think yani, you're going to go out and speak the truth and nobody's going to make up lies about you? You think nobody's going to dedicate their life to insulting you? Of course they will. We see it. We see it at the park. Yeah? But we don't worry about it. Yeah, we turn away from that. We, we speak the truth. We call toward haq. We refute all that is batil. We keep moving forward. Let them. There are people that have channels that all the only thing they do on their channel is make videos against me. Every day. <laughs> Pathetic. So they got nothing better to do with their time. Right? It's okay. So what? I get people all the time, you know, you, you shouldn't go out there. This is, uh... People tell me all the time, you shouldn't go out there and, and do the da'wah or engage people because they'll insult you. They'll, they'll do this, they'll do that. Let them. What is upon us? It's not upon us except to convey the clear message. Once we convey the message, everything that people harm us with, whether it's physical, whether it's verbal, whether it's this or that, we are patient for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the implementation of these ayat. Just on a side note. This ayah, subhanAllah, is such a beautiful ayah of the Qur'an. There is a lot of balagha to it. And he, uh, here, right now, there's not a tafsir dars, I'm not uh, discussing, so I'm not going to go into it. But just to give you an idea, as the ulama have mentioned in their kutub, that there was an Arabia, Bedouin. And what is the zahir of it? He's not a Muslim. He's a Bedouin. He just heard these ayat, he fell into sujood. He prostrated. He said, I'm making sijda to whoever said these words. 
Because these words could not be sent by a person or a human. And to the meaning of the hadith, to the beauty of the balagha of these ayat, he made sujood to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to it. Right? It is as uh, one of the other great ulama in his tafsir, Shaykh Abu Muhammad, he mentioned, he said, this is a order from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give unapologetic da'wah. This is da'wah that is straight. Right? It says what's true in the best manner with hikmah. But it does not fear the, the statements or the uh, repercussions from the mushrikeen. You turn away from that. Your job is to speak the truth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then will give you what is enough for you. Allah will be, and if we look at the rest of the ayat, and so I'm not going to go deep, He will be kafi for you. He will be enough for you. Allah will protect you. The order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as it was ordered, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he began to continue that open da'wah. And we mentioned earlier about when he collected the people and so on. But here, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he went to the people and he addressed the core issue. What is the core issue? The issue of Tawheed. Okay? He didn't go to them and tell them, okay, let me uh, uh, tell you that you shouldn't make zina. Right? Of course, that is the hukam. But that is not the main problem Makkah was dealing with. He didn't tell them you shouldn't steal. Because no? many of the Quraysh, they would have been like, yeah, that, that makes sense, that's nice, okay. But he addressed what was their core issue, which was shirk. Today, many of the du'a, they say, don't talk about what has ikhtilaf on it. So you go to the masjid, and it's a masjid who worships qubur. They're worshiping graves, openly. Green turbaned out, right? Everything is green and gold and shiny. I don't know why this, right? And they're going to qubur making sujood. And they're making du'a to other than Allah. And they're making shirk openly. Right? And what do they say? Go and talk to them about importance of salah. About yani, ikram, ikhlas. Because why? Because they're going to like that. Yeah. And then you go back and they'll invite you to their conferences. And then you're going to be on with movie stars in your hajj and all of that. Everybody likes you. Why? Because you're not going to address what you're supposed to address. But when you go in with the, with the da'wah towards tawheed, and you go to the masjid, you say, people, you can't worship graves. This isn't just haram, this is shirk. You're asking Allah, then other than Allah, you're making dua. Not just tawassulan, but you're making istighadah, you're, you're making dua to other than Allah, this is shirk. Now, your invite's getting cancelled. You're no longer going to get nice little green bows to wear in your next video. Huh? But now you're doing the da'wah, the juhud of Rasulullah sallallahu the effort of Rasulullah the effort. What is the effort of Rasulullah How was the da'wah of Rasulullah What did he call towards? Go read his seerah. Go read the books of hadith. Not just six and these many. No, tawheed. That is the foundation of the da'wah. And then Rasulullah he addressed to them this message of Tawheed, and the message of Tawheed is a message of having Iman 
not just in the heart. Iman is not just in the heart. Iman is in the heart, it's on the tongues, and it's in action. When Rasulullah said that Iman has branches, the least of them to remove something harmful, that's an action. But it's a branch of Iman. The people of Bid'ah, they said Iman is just in the heart. No, Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, we say Iman is in the heart, it's, on, it's, it's, it's a belief, it's an aqidah that's in the heart, but it's professed on the tongue. The shahadatain, this is on the tongue. And then it manifests on the limbs, in your actions. And this was the da'wah of Rasulullah sallallahu and the sahaba. Yes, they, they had iman, they said it, and then they acted upon it. They prayed in the night. They fasted. Whatever ahkam, and we talked about the salawat and, and fasting of that period in the last dars, but they carried it out. Right? It's not just okay, you just talk about it, and then that's it. I believe, khalas, I'm going to Jannah. There is no uh, false promises here like other religions. Here, you have to believe in your heart, you have to profess it, you have to act upon it, and ask for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, in English they say, when somebody says something, is, something sounds too good to be true, it usually is. Somebody's going to try to be like, yeah, salvation is free, you just believe, that's it, you go to Jannah. Then you tell them, okay, what about Hitler? Then you see him, backpedal all that, right? So that's false. But Iman is not. So Rasulullah ﷺ, his da'wah was towards this. Ibn Ishaq, one of the early scholars of يعني, Maghazi and, and Sirah and so on. And then Ibn Hishab from his student, Ibn Kathir and Al-Dhabi and others. They have recorded that the people of Shirk, the Mushrikun, they tried to first go to Abu Talib. And we'll talk about this a little bit in the future durus about the exact conversation and so on. But that's one of the things they tried. They went to Abu Talib, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, and they said, stop your nephew. Abu Talib was respected. And he was a mushrik. And he was with them in, in Aqidah. And he was a chief, like a leader. They didn't have a king. The Quraysh didn't have like a king. But he was the most respected of them. So they used that as one source. But they spread, they did another thing, which is they said, what should we do? And this hadith, yani, I, I looked into the uh, asani, the chains of it, and no doubt it is an authentically established narration, but it's also mentioned in the Quran, and we'll talk about those ayat, inshallah. Which is that they went to Walid ibn Mughira. Walid ibn Mughira was a very intelligent man. Uh, a very respected man, handsome. Yani, sometimes yani, this is the problem with all these videos that get made. They, they put an image in your mind like Abu Jahl or Abu Lahab and they just put this old, angry, ugly man and then every Sahabi is this handsome, dashing, moral looking of a man. No, that's not the way it was. There were Sahaba that were very handsome. And there were Sahaba that by the worldly standards of looks were very ugly. And there were mushrikeen that were very ugly, and there were mushrikeen that were very handsome. What was the success factor? Iman. Yusuf had beauty that nobody can ever have. And half of all beauty given to him. Right? But that's not what made him successful. What made him successful was his Iman. Sulaiman was wealthy. Beyond imagination, a kingdom that nobody ever will have after him. But that's not what made him successful, it's Iman. And they were mushrikeen and kuffar 
and enemies of the da'wah that were rich and handsome and so on, but they were failures. Why? Because of the lack of iman. So here, Walid ibn Mughira is intelligent. By warning means he's very intelligent. And he's respected. So they went to him, they said, what should we do? So he gathered them, ijtama ilayhi, he gathered them to him. And then he said, look, we have a person from the Quraysh, and we must warn against him. How will we do it? First thing, we're going to start a media campaign. And I'm translating, right? We're going to spread false news. We're going to use character assassination. What else is it called nowadays? What's all the... Honey? Propaganda. Right? We're going to make up lies. And, and subhanAllah, these same techniques are used by the kuffar and shaitan today. The first thing, we start a media campaign to spread disinformation. Scare people. Same tactics being used today. Right? And wh- how will we, where is the mass media? Mosul al Hajj. The time of Hajj. All the different tribes and Qabail, the different uh, tribes from outside of Mecca will come for Hajj. And that's the time we're going to go and spread misinformation. Tell you, but what are we going to say? <laughs> if you look in the surah of Surah Mudathir, you will find these, this in the tafsir. Right? Tell you, what will we say? They said, okay, let's take ideas. The first idea we'll say is a kahin. What's a kahin? A fortune teller. You know, sometimes unfortunately you go to the Muslim countries and you see these signs with like a hand on it. Right? It's got these little lines. And what do you do? You go to a person and then they look at your hand and they tell this, Oh, you have good fortune. Oh, yes, you're, you're going to get married. Yes. Uh, what do you want? Beautiful husband, beautiful wife, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Pay me. <laughs> right? Oh, you're a Virgo. Oh, you're a Spices or a Spices or something. Cancer. May Allah protect us from cancer. <laughs> right? You're a whatever, right? Aquarius or Puri, Puri, whatever, right? Um, and Muslims, unfortunately, they go, if you believe in that, it's shirk. It's kufr. Hellfire. Abadim. It's not a joke. I don't know how people, Muslims allow this. Like, I don't know how Muslims walk by them. Yeah. No, we must stop this. If you are able, not asking you to break any laws, but if you are able, be it with your hand. If you are unable, then bilisanik, with your tongue, you must stop this. If somehow you're so oppressed that you can't even do that, move. No, I'm just kidding. Right. If you're that oppressed, then biqalbak, with your heart, iman, that is the weakest form of iman. But if you believe in those things, shirk. If you go to them for entertainment and just go to them, your salawat are not accepted, 40 days in one of the narrations. And you still have to pray. It's not like you're on vacation. You just don't get the ajar for it. Right? This is serious stuff. So this is one of the accusations they made, they wanted to make against the Prophet Al-Walid ibn al-Mughira, he said, La wallah, ma huwa bikahinin. He said, but I swear by Allah, he's not a kahin. And nobody's going to believe this. Why? Because the kahin had certain traits. They used to be known, people used to go to them, they were famous, they, could, they would throw arrows and do all these things. He said, he doesn't do any of that. And the 
Adam are not fools. They're going to be like, you mean, he's a, but I, we never heard of him doing that. We know him. We see him. We know who the famous yani, uh, fortune tellers are. We know he's not one of them. So nobody's going to believe that. So what should we do? Let's say he has a jinn on him. What do you call in Arabi? Majnoon. Somebody went crazy. Majnoon actually comes from the word jinn. So they said, let's say he's insane. Let's say he's crazy. I mean, that's, that's another, we can make up false news here. Right? He said, Wallahi, ma huwa majnoonin. He said, Wallahi, he's not a majnoon. Like, we know he's not crazy. We know how crazy people are. Right? You know, <laughs> yeah, saying in Pashto, I'm not going to say it. Right? So, <laughs> so you, <laughs> so do you know a, a crazy person when they take like filth and they start eating like otherwise people act sometimes they try to act I'm crazy I know you're not like, calm down right so they said we know the characteristics of a crazy person he's not them nobody's gonna buy it okay what should we do we said let's say he's a he's a sha'ir what's a sha'ir somebody who writes poems He's a poet. He made this Quran up himself. Right? And this sometimes we hear nowadays, right? Oh, he wrote it himself. Well, that would be physically impossible because he couldn't read or write, alayhi salatu salam. And it would be physically impossible because he never wrote a poem. The Prophet, alayhi before Nabuwa, before prophethood, there were many poets. We do not know of him ever to have written a poem. Right? Even some hadith rhyme and so, but those are not poems. The Arab, of Jahaliyyah, they had a structure to their poetry. There were different types of poems. And they had to follow a structure. Like the praise of the tribe and, 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 and disgracing the other tribe. And you know, they had different types. And they had to follow certain patterns. And their poets would write 10,000 lines, 1,000 lines, 5,000 lines. Like huge works. And the Prophet ﷺ, the Arab knew he never wrote a poem. So I said, well, that's not going to fly. They said, say he's a sahir. Sahir, what is a sahir? Somebody does sahir. What is that? Magic. Let's say he's a magician. He said, Wallahi ma huwa bi sahir. We know he's not a magician. It's not going to work. So then he thought, he frowned, thought about it. And then he said, you know what? Out of all of them, which none of them are going to work, he's not any of them, but this is one we can try to get away with. Why? Because a magician... I mean, it doesn't act crazy like a crazy person. He's not famous like a fortune teller who people always go to find out and things like this. Sometimes you don't know. Like sometimes there'll be somebody doing magic and setting around and you don't know. I don't mean magic like the little taking birds out of hats and stuff like that. That's a sleight of hand. Even that is not permissible. Right? But what I'm talking about is real like that, voodoo dolls and stuff, right? Like stuff that may Allah protect us from it, right? If your neighbor is a magician, may Allah protect us, right? How would you know? There's no like, you know, nothing sign. They could be doing it secretly, right? So they said, this is the only one we can try to get away with. And what was their script, right? Now, now they're going to go out with their false narrative and they're going to say he's a magician. And in the hadith, we know that he even knew this was false. But they said, how will we try to convince? We said, we will say that he's a magician. And what's his magic? Like he doesn't make birds appear or something. What's his magic? 
يفرق, that he separates between a person and their father, and between a person and his brother, and a person and his wife. Why? Because the people would accept Iman, they would accept Tawheed, they would accept the belief in oneness of Allah, and, and, the, and the people would fight them, the family, then it would make a separation. But he says, oh, see, it's magic. Even though obviously it's not magic. It's the difference between haq and batil, the right and falsehood. But they said, we can try to fool people with this. Right? And this is where we find in Surah Mudathir also, فَقَالَ سُبْحَانَهُ تَعَلَىٰ بَعْدُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانَ الرَّجِيمِ فَإِنَّهُ فَكَّرَ وَقَدَّرَ and this is the tafsir of this ayah. This is about Al-Walid ibn Mughayr. That he thought, contemplated, and deliberated, and determined, and came up with how can we, how can we try to disregard the message of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then destroyed, condemned. And then qutila, as we were trying to explain, doesn't have just the meaning of fire. There's a depth to it, right? And how, how, will, how evil, which is the meaning of the tafsir, how evil was his deliberation or his thought process. This is balagha. And, and even more beautiful and he, use of the language of his evil plots. يعني, then he considered between these evil options. He made these options. And then what does he do? He frowned and scolded and angry because he couldn't come up with it. What did he do? Then he turned back in arrogance, right? So at the end of the surah, I'm not, I'm not going to go too deep into it because then we uh, get off the track. But here, this tells you that this hadith, like sometimes you mention the hadith and people want to deny hadith even though they're authentic. We see it in the Quran itself. You go in the tafsir, you will find that this is a reference to this time period. So they made up these lies, and then they would say, "In Hada, this is not except illa qawl al-bashar," and this is just a statement of people. Right? He made this up. This is their their propaganda now. And we find other references for this, yani in Surah Sad as well. Qal al-kafirun hada sahirun, yani kadhab. This is their uh, flip-flop. They would say the kuffar would say this is a, a magician, a liar, right? And they would call him Al-Majnoon in Surah Qalam and so on. They would, they would flip through these as well. They couldn't stick to one script even. Right? But what were the results of it? And I'm summarizing, I know, for the sake of time. What was the result of it? I'm going to mention two incidences. Right? In the Sahih of Imam Muslim, he has mentioned this with authentic chain. Imam Al-Bayhaqi has this in his Kubra, in his uh, Sunan Al-Kabir. And Ibn Kathir in Bidaw al Nihaya, obviously it's authentic, regarding uh, one of the people, the mob uh, Ibn Tha'laba. And this was somebody from the Azdi sub clan of Al Azd. Asadi sub clan of Al Azd. He came and he was somebody who was a Raqi, and he used to, he didn't have the Quran. But he used to try to heal people with spells, with whatever he could do. Right? And when he came to Mecca, the Quraysh, they started their media campaign. What did they say? They told him, oh, there's a man here and he is uh, Majnoon, he's crazy. Somebody else said, oh, no, no, he's a magician. 
Somebody else said, oh no, 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 he's, he's a liar, he's this, he's that. So this man, subhanAllah, and he, this is, he was an intelligent man and he had, he had a soft heart. So he said, you know what, I am somebody who does ruqya, and he, I, I try to heal people. And I am somebody who's experienced with, 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 with the kahin, like I know about fortune tellers. And I know about magicians. And I know about poets, I know all of this. Let me go try to help this guy. If he has any, uh, some kind of effect of jinn, or if he has some kind of a, uh, ailment, let me go and try to help him. So you see how the plot backfires. Maybe regularly, if they hadn't said anything to him, he would have come and gone and not paid attention to the da'wah of Rasulullah If people hadn't put a tent next to us with posters about us, some people would have ignored us. But that plot ends up being the means of people's guidance. So what happens, he goes to the Prophet and he tells him, and I'm going to summarize from the long hadith, he said, let me try to heal you. If you don't mind, if you want, I will try to heal you. <laughs> the Prophet didn't tell him, what, you think I'm crazy? No. Out of his good akhlaq, he told him, wait, just listen to me first. Give me a minute, listen, let me speak. He told him, okay. So he read to him the khutbah that Rasulullah used to read. He read that khutbah that we read in Jum'ah and in Nikah and stuff. Khutbatul Hajj as we say. And he read it to him. And the Arab, they had such understanding of the Arabic language. Today we kind of listen like, like uh, it's pretty simple terms. But he saw it to be so beautiful, he continued to listen. Rasul read it a second time and a third time. Three times he read the same thing. Sometimes we repeat the ayah in salah twice, everybody thinks you forgot the ayah. No, this is the sunnah. Sometimes in the khutbah we repeat something twice and people are like, oh, you got stuck. No. Pay attention to the words. Don't be so quick. I, I know that already. Great. MashaAllah. Allah reward you for it. Right? Pay attention to the meaning. Right? Here, when he heard this, he said, Wallahi, laqad sami'atu qawlan kahin. And he, Wallahi, I've heard the statements of the people who are kahin. Uh, and, and I've listened to the statement of those that are magician and the shu'ara and all. He mentioned, he said, I never heard anything like this. These words, I've never heard anything like it. In another narration, he said, Wallahi, this cannot be the statements of a kahin or a sahir, not of a fortune teller or a magician or a crazy man. These words are so beautiful, they're so eloquent, no way. And this man becomes a Muslim from the plot of the kuffar to stop Islam. I told you two things. The next, and you guys all know this hadith, mashallah, your ulama, better than me, but listen anyway. At-Tufail ibn Amr al-Dawsi. The great Sahabi, and the Ishaq has this in his earlier book, Al-Bayhaqi has this in Dalal al-Nabuwa, Ibn Kathir, in Bidaw and Nihaya. And the asal of it can be found in the Kutub, Sanadan, by Hadith and all of them. Tufail ibn Amr al-Dawsi. He was coming, he was a very intelligent man, and he a respected man, a Sayyid, a leader in his people. And he was coming to Mecca, and as he's coming, and he's come to Mecca so many times, the Quraysh, the Mushrikeen of Mecca, they go outside of Mecca to meet him. And they, they intercept him outside of Mecca. And he's like, that's kind of strange, like I've been to Mecca many times, and yes, we have a good cordial relationship, but they've never come outside to meet me like this. So they told him, oh no, no, we just want to warn you. 
that there is a man named Muhammad in Mecca and he's a magician. And if you if any words get into your ear, khalas, you'll be misguided. You'll become Mahali. <laughs> in today's terminology. Okay? Don't listen to him. Don't watch that video. <laughs> Same tricks. They said, so if you listen to him, you'll, you'll leave your religion of your forefathers, you leave this, this will affect you. Just and he closed your ears. So at first he was like, let me stuff stuff into my ears. I don't want to hear him on accident. And he's going and he's making tawaf. And he sees the Prophet ﷺ who's reciting Quran. But he has his ears blocked. Some of the narrations mention like, like one of the cotton things fell out. Or whether he contemplated. And, but what we know that he thought to himself, he said, look, I'm an intelligent man. Like my people look up to me. They come to me for advice. They come to me to ask right from wrong. And if I'm that weak-minded, that just hearing these words is suddenly going to yani, take me away, then what kind of a leader am I? Right? I'm intelligent enough that I can listen to you and know right from wrong. So let me listen to him. And he listened to the Prophet wasallam. And again, I'm summarizing. I mean, we have videos just about this incident. You can watch about the detail. But alhamdulillah, he ends up accepting Islam. From what? From the da'wah of kuffar. From their da'wah to keep the people away from the Prophet to spread misinformation, to stop the guidance, Allah made that a means of guidance. And he becomes a Muslim and he asks Rasulullah sallallahu Give me a sign. Something that I can take to my people as a sign that I'm bringing something of truth. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he makes dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, Allahumma. Yeah, some people today, they got a lot of misguided people, they're like, oh, Allahumma, this is shit. What? <laughs> well, don't waste your time with, with, with fools, right? But anyway, he says, Ya Allah, nawwir lahu, yani enlighten, like give him a nur. And in the Sahih narration, he got a light between his eyes, yani on his face. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him a physical light. So he would have a sign. And these are, this is from the Dalal al nabuwa from the signs of the truthfulness of the Prophet or the Prophet Sometimes people tell us, what is the miracles of the Prophet Like how much time do you got? <laughs> we'll list them out. Some Muslims today don't talk about those only miracles of the Quran. What? You know, read books of hadith, <laughs> tarikh. So this is one of the miracles that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted the Prophet for this Sahaba. And he made dua, this light came. Now, being a very intelligent man and knowing the tricks of shaitan, he said, what if I go and shaitan then tells people, oh, this is a disfigurement. He got messed up. Sometimes you have like a mark of sujood. You shouldn't try for like some people that like, <laughs> don't try for it. If you try for it, what is your ikhlas? Eh? You go make your salah, make on soft things. But if Allah gives it to you, Allah gives it to you. Right? But some people think, oh, look here, what's happened to him? No, a person makes sujood, may Allah accept it from them, right? Sometimes you have a mark on your foot or something from sitting in sujood and people are like, yeah, you know. But imagine on the Day of Judgment, the, the Athar from Sujood. Sometimes you're making wudu and people, kuffar, they look at you like, you know, kuffar, like, sometimes even Muslims, may Allah protect us. 
right? But you're in the school or, or workplace and you're making wudu and people are looking at you. <laughs> at least I'm clean, right? <laughs> but those places will be lit up on the day of judgment. Those places of sujood. Right? So here, knowing this, he told the Prophet ﷺ to transfer it for him. So Rasulullah made dua and Allah subhanahu wa transferred it to his whip. So he went with this light, this sign. And he went back to his, his qabila, his people, those. And what did he do? He didn't go and say, okay, let me first take over. Let me try to get the lobby going. Let me try to build some. No, he went to his father and told him, I'm, I'm done with me and you are done. Khalas, no more relationship between. Father's like, why? Son, what happened? You're so dear. He said, now I'm on Tawheed. I'm on this religion. You're on shirk. The father's like, your religion is my religion. I know you to be intelligent and this smart. He accepted the da'wah. Went to his wife, same thing. I'm done with you. Why? Said, because I'm on people of Tawheed. Gave her da'wah right away. Went to his home and some people accepted the da'wah. But most of the qawm didn't. And that's how it happens. Right? Like for example, if, if somebody becomes Muslim in a certain family today, and they start da'wah in their family, it's not like it the first minute the whole family will become Muslim. Maybe, but usually no. Right? So that's what happened. He went, but he didn't give up on it. He gave that da'wah. Now, as many reverts or new Muslims have that zeal, but it should never lead to frustration. It should always make you steadfast. Here, Tufayl ibn Amr al-Dawsi, he comes with one of the men who became Muslim with him. One of the young men of his qabila, of his tribe. And he comes to the Prophet ﷺ and he tells the Prophet ﷺ, Oh Master of Allah, make dua for the destruction of those. They're not listening. Destroy them. I'm tired. <laughs> and the one that became Muslim with him, he, he narrates the hadith. He, saw, he said, I saw the Prophet ﷺ, he's starting to make dua. And I knew, because he was a Muslim, he said, I knew the Prophet ﷺ made dua for the destruction, my people are finished. But he made dua, what did he make dua? He said, oh Allah, guide the people of those. He didn't make dua, oh Allah, destroy the people of those. He said, oh Allah, guide the qawm of those. And you will see later in the seerah, the whole qabila, they will come with him later on, much later, and they will be accepting Islam. But this young man, Tufayl ibn Amr al-Dawsi said, this young man has become a Muslim, I'm going to leave him here in your servitude. Not as a slave, <laughs> right? but to serve you, to memorize from you, to learn from you. Who is that man? His name is Abdul Rahman. Abdul Rahman bin Sakh al-Dawsi. Raise your hand if you know who he is. Every one of you knows who he is. And you don't realize it. This man is Abu Huraira radiallahu Imagine how many ahadith he recorded, how many good deeds. All of that is going in the mizan of who? Tufayl ibn Amr al-Dawsi, the one that gave him down. And that is why if you call a Muslim to make tawbah, and that Muslim comes back to the religion, imagine all of the good deeds. If you call a kafir to Islam, and that kafir becomes Muslim, imagine all those good deeds, those we know of more 
that Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu did for Islam than Tafail ibn Amr. Meaning, if you were to look at the servitude of serving hadith and all who was with the Prophet and in jihad and all these things, we know more. But we know all of that reward will go to Fail ibn Amr ibn Dawsi. May Allah accept it from him and may Allah accept our good deeds.